0: All right, Jude. Let's open the word of prayer and let's dig into the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. We ask now as we go to your word that your holy spirit would be our teacher. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here this morning. None by chance, all by divine appointment. Lord, we don't know what everyone's going through right now. Be it health issues, struggles financially, prodigal children, marriage issues, whatever it may be, Lord, and Maybe someone who's here that doesn't even know you, and we pray that they would come to know you. But Lord, may you meet us here right where we are. May you minister to every heart. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us this morning. And Lord, I pray that man would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Quick review of Jude. Last week we gave an overview. It's only one chapter. Uh, I told you we're going to look at it in three weeks. Uh, so we're looking at our second message in Jude. By the way, on Christmas, we will have a Christmas message. And then on January 1st, if we finish Jude, we'll be in Revelation chapter 1. And yes, we will be having church on January 1st. Amen? So I encourage you to come out to start the new year in the book of Revelation. We will have some outlines starting next week uh, to go through the Bible with us next year, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. How many of you guys have read through the entire Bible? Praise the Lord. How many of you need to read to it again? Amen? So I encourage you, let's do that together as a church. All right, so last week, we saw exhorting, uh, this exhortation of the first century church to contend for the faith. Jude, again, is another one of the brothers of Jesus, and he wrote wrote this letter. And We saw one of the things I really loved at the beginning when he identified himself, he didn't identify himself as a brother of Jesus. He identified himself as a bondservant of Christ. And what's so significant about that is that even though he was Jesus' physical brother, we know that none of his brothers believed until after he was raised from the dead. But even he recognized it's more important to be a bondservant of Christ than even to be his physical brother. Because you can be related to him physically and not go to heaven, but you, if you're a bond, only if you're a bondservant will you go to heaven. Amen? And we talked about what that meant. We're bound by love, not by law. And so we talked about he gave three examples of people who had been exposed to the truth and swayed by a minority to follow a lie. Remember the children of Israel? Remember 10 spies went into, 12 spies went into the land. 10 came back and said, you know, two came back, Caleb and Joshua, and said, it's exactly as God said, we're going to wipe these guys out. Let's enter into the land. And 10 guys came back and said, oh, they're going to crush us. And 10 guys turned millions of people's opinion around so that they did not enter into the land of promise. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And that entire generation passed away because they listened to 10 men over the word of God. And guys, we need to not fall into that same trap where we listen to the words of men over the word of God. That should never, ever happen. Amen. Then we saw the fallen angels. You know, a third of the uh, angels fell from heaven with Satan. And the same thing happened again, where Lucifer, referred to as the most beautiful of the angels, here he is, Lucifer. And because he said, I will be like the most high, he convinced literally a third of the angels to fall with him. So one angel caused a third of the angels to fall. Why did that happen? They had their eyes on another angel instead of having their eyes on Almighty God. Amen. So the same is true for us. And then finally, Sodom and Gomorrah, we saw last week, And, you know, they were giving over, given over to their fleshly desires. You know, they rejected godly warning after godly warning. And if you'll remember, you know, Job had fallen into the trap of, he came out of Egypt with Abraham. And they were both uh, flourishing after they'd been in Egypt. They both had, you know, great wealth and they couldn't camp out together. And so Abraham said, you pick what you want, I'll take the other place. And he camped towards Sodom because it looked good from a distance but he didn't just count towards Sodom, a picture of an ungodly world. Before you knew it, he was living in Sodom. And then he was, you know, in some level of leadership within Sodom. And then he continued to let ungodly behavior happen all around him without him making a stand against it. And we know that God eventually wiped Sodom off the face of the earth. And because he had spent so much time there, his wife looked back to Sodom. So really, one of the things we saw last week in condemning for the faith is that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and quit listening to what the world has to say about anything. Can I get an amen to that? We don't listen to the world. The, the, our world just panicked for two and a half years over, over a, a, you know, a flu bug, basically, right? Now, it did kill people, but the reality is God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, Amen. And, we're not, we, and while, while we are to obey and honor, we'll talk about this today, the authorities that God's placed over us, we never place them above what the Word of God says. When we have to choose between man or God, we choose God every time. Can I get him into that? And so that was the exhortations we saw last week. And as we pick up this week, grab the outline if you've got it. If you don't, there's some on the back table outside. It's a little bit of a trek over there because of the rain. But I tell the message, Recognizing False Teachers recognizing false teachers. And this is the exhortation that Judah is giving to the church because what was happening in those days, they were being persecuted from the outside and there was deception on the inside. So they had the world, you know, throwing Christians to lions, you know, throwing Christians in jail, putting Christians to death from the outside and those enemies are almost easier to deal with because you can recognize them. But the sad part is there's deception from the inside often. Not everybody who calls himself a Christian is truly a Christian. Amen? Not everybody truly believes what the Word of God says and stands for the truth. And you know what? The only way you can recognize the lie is if you know the truth. Amen? You will recognize the truth of, if you know the truth of God's word, you will not be deceived by false teachers. But he's exhorting this early church. Again, the church is about 40 years old at this point. And this early church needs to be exhorted and and, and encouraged to not fall for the fact that somebody else comes along. And this is almost always the case. I've got a new word from God. Oh God told me something, and they come and tell you, oh, "I've got a new word, I've got a new message, and only we have the real truth." You have to come and talk to us. We make a we make a letter every we make a magazine every month out of Brooklyn with new words coming from God. That's the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Mormon Church they had the angel Moroni, the only Italian angel in the Bible. Angel Moroni it's not in the Bible, by the way. But, you know, this angel that came and gave him these glasses, and he looked into these golden plates, and he lost them, and the tragic part is there's tens of millions of people following after that, I've got a new message. Guys, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. The word of God is sufficient. We don't add to it, and we don't take away from it. Amen? And so the exhortation here is that there were people coming along called the Gnostics. And the Gnostics had a new message. I know you're getting tired of the Gnostics as we talked about them all the way through 1 John. It's that same group again. And what they taught was that the flesh was evil and the spirit by itself, it could be born again. And then it didn't matter what the flesh did because they were separated from each other. And then they said, because the flesh is evil, Jesus never had flesh, that he only came in the spirit. And they said, so they've taught this message. And by the way, every one of these false messages always feeds your flesh. All of them. Because if, 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 look, doesn't it sound good if some, a Mormon knocks your door and says, by the way, you're going to be God of your own planet before it's over. And you're going to have all these women serving you and populating the planet for you, and you're going to be God, because the God of our planet used to be a man on another planet, got to be God of this planet. And you know what? There's not not the same thing that got Satan thrown out of heaven, amen? It's always something that feeds our flesh. Instead of dying to ourselves. all the cults make Jesus less and man more. They always make man more important than man really is. We're all stinking about sinners in desperate need of a savior, Amen but it was also a treasured possession in the eyes of Almighty God because He loves you so much He'd rather die than live without you and He proved it on the cross. Amen? So here we're going to look at these false teachers. First, we're going to see characteristics of the false teachers. We're going to see they defile the flesh, they reject authority, they speak evil of dignitaries. We're going to see they've gone the way of Cain, they followed the error of Balaam, and they were walking in the rebellion of Korah. And we'll talk about those and define what those are here in the text. And secondly, we're going to see the self-centeredness of false teachers. And he gives some analogies. He says they're like clouds without water. You know, when you need rain, a cloud without water doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Amen. And the same is true of a false teacher. They're good for nothing. They make promises. They don't deliver. And all they do is block out the sun, the S-U-N, but false teachers are blocking out the S-O-N, amen? We also see that they're like trees without fruit. My wife finally cut down our plum tree because we had it for like eight years. We didn't get any plums, so down that thing went. And the reality is that you're not a fruit tree if you're not bearing any fruit, Amen? And he said, that's what these false teachers are like. They're like a, you know, planting a stick in the ground and calling it a plum tree. If it doesn't produce any plums, it's got no fruit. And the same is true of false teachers. They're also like raging waves. Now, surfers settle down because it says this, though, of sea foaming up to their own shame. You know, in those days, storms produced a lot of noise, but also a lot of damage. And that's exactly what false teachers do. They have a lot of noise. They say a lot of stuff They can be very outspoken, but they produce a lot of damage. And finally, wandering stars. I love this analogy. It's like a comet, you know, a comet's pretty cool. It blazes across the sky, but it's gone in seconds. And false teachers, they light up, but there's no, there's no guidance. When, you know, and when they were at the sea, what did they use? They use stars to guide them. But they had to be stars that didn't burn out in 60 seconds. Amen? And we don't get guidance from those that burn out. We get guidance from the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And then finally, the coming judgment of the false teachers. And again, while God will deliver the righteous, we'll see that example with Enoch... Enoch's a picture of the church being raptured as he was pulled away before the righteous judgment of God came upon the, on the earth upon, with the rains of Noah. It's appropriate enough that it's been raining. God bless those who came to church in the rain. Amen. God bless you guys. If rain scares us off, I'm worried about you. Let's pray. So let's dig into the text. Uh, Job, Jude, excuse me, chapter, eight, uh, chapter one, beginning there at verse eight, looking at the characteristics of false teachers. It says, likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Now, Jude is direct and he is blunt. And I actually like people, I'm sure that surprises you. I like people who are direct and blunt because I like to be taught, I teach the way I like to be taught. I don't like going to hear a message and the guy's weaving something that at the end he's gonna try to bring it all together and I gotta figure out what the heck he's talking about. And that'll never happen here. I'm a straight shooter because the word of God's a straight shooter. Can I get him into that? Well, Jude just he doesn't mess around, right? Likewise, all these dreamers, he calls them dreamers. He said these guys who are preaching a false gospel, they're lost in a dream, they don't know reality. What they teach is far from reality. It's not the truth. And they defile the flesh. They reject authority. They speak evil of dignitaries. The cause of their rebellion, again, is found in the word dreamers. Their false teachers live in a dream world of delusion, completely out of touch with reality. One of the things about social media, most of it just needs to be blown up, by the way, in Jesus' name, amen, we want to try to use it for the kingdom of God and for his glory. We would try to post messages to it. But there are so many people on social media right now who are deconstructing their faith. I used to be a pastor and I used to be a Christian. No, if you're deconstructing, you were never saved. Amen. Because there's no way you're leaving the Lord if you truly know him. There's no way in the world you're going to walk away from the king of kings, the Lord of lords, almighty God. And you got these people acting like they're an authority. There's one guy that's a very well-known homosexual, and he's ripping, taking the word of God apart all from his perspective of his lifestyle. They're dreamers. They don't know the reality. They try to change the word of God to fit their lifestyle and to, instead of trying to change their lifestyle to fit the word of God. Amen. What I think, what I feel is not the authority. What the Word of God says is the authority. Amen? And so he says they're dreamers. They've rejected the truth. They've bought the flesh-feeding lies of the enemy. And again, I truly believe this. Most false teachers believe what they're teaching. I don't think they're just teaching it. Now, some of them are, just to get rich. These guys with the seed offerings on television, please. Lord, help. God has way more patience than I do, because when I watch them, I'm like John and James calling thunder down from the sky, right? Can you just smoke one of these guys, please, Lord, and be an example for everyone else, right? I should be praying for them, not, praying, not calling fire down from the sky. That's not a Christ-like attribute. Let God do that, not man, amen? But you know, they're always wanting you to plant seeds in their garden. Seed in the Bible is never money, it's always God's word, Amen? And they will manipulate the word of God. And so so those guys are just flat out manipulators and they're liars. There are some, though, that are teaching a false gospel that they truly believe. Just because you believe it doesn't make it true. Amen. By the way, if you're a flat earther, just don't waste your time with me, please. Please. I'm getting all these emails from Christians who are trying to convince me that the earth is flat. I just did a men's retreat recently, and one of the guys texted me and said, you should do the whole thing on the flat earth. No. God looks down upon the circumference of the earth. It's in the Bible. Can I get an amen to that? So game over. Quit chasing nonsense. Read the Bible. Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Amen? Let's open it. Let's read it. Let's obey it, and let's not get caught up in a bunch of other stuff. And if you love, if you believe in the flat earth, you're wrong, but we still love you and we're glad you're here. Amen. But the same lies that Satan did to tempt Eve in the garden, this is what the false teachers do. Did God really say? It's the same old lie. It's been around since, you know, 6,000 years since the garden. Did God really say? He wants you to question the word of God, to doubt the word of God. Well, there's multiple translations. It's filled with contradictions. When people, you know, I have a full-time job. When people find out I'm a pastor, they love to tell me, well, you know, I used to believe, I don't really believe it because it's full of contradictions. I love to say, name one. How about a, how right? Name one. And, and the reality is, anytime that even if there's something that appears to be a contradiction, it's not a contradiction. It's usually in one text, it gives more information. One may give a little less, but they never contradict each other. The word of God is true, and it's the standard that we stand on. Amen? Amen. Did God really say, that was saying, you're going to be like God if you eat of that tree. He just doesn't want you to be like him. It was the same thing that got Satan thrown out of heaven wanting to be like God, and he's trying to pass that on to Eve. Having turned away from God's truth, they feed their minds on false doctrine that inflates their egos and encourages their rebellion. Feelings are real, but they often lie to us. I feel this. And if you feel that, I'm not saying you don't feel it. What I'm saying is you need to check your feelings against the truth of God's word because, again, our feelings will deceive us but I just feel like I'm so in love with him. He's not saved, but I just feel, but I don't care. You're not, he's not saved. Don't be unequally out together with unbelievers. Amen? guys. Your feelings don't mean anything if they contradict the word of God and you need to put those things to death. But these false teachers had turned away because they wanted positions of authority and they were seeking to feed their flesh and they wanted to feel good about their sinful behavior and they wanted other people to admire them. And so what did they do? They got caught up. And and these are the characteristics of false teachers. Again, as I said, the Gnostics thought they had a deeper truth. And, And you have to come to my Bible study. We're the only ones that get it. Nobody else understands it. If they think they're the only ones that are saved, run away. Amen? There's... The church is one body. But there are people with in what we would call the church and say they're the church, that think they're the only true believers. I've shared this story with you before, just came to mind, but it's a heartbreaker. We were backed up to a church in San Jose and I used to study out in the park. I was a youth pastor there for five years back in the nineties. And I would sit out in my car and study because it was no, you know, the phone didn't ring. And there was this guy camping out on the other side of the fence. And for like three weeks, I'd see this guy camping out. So finally, I get out, and I said, hey, bro, you living here on the church campus? What's up? He goes, well, no, I'm going through the baptismal class, and until I get through the class, I can't be baptized, and you know, the church teaches that until I'm baptized, if I die, I go to hell. So I don't want to, don't want to leave the property, because I'm afraid I'll get in a car accident and die, and I need to make sure I get through the class first and get baptized first, because I'm scared to death I'm going to die. Does that sound like the Bible? I told him, bro, I'll baptize you right now. Uh, Amen? But here's what happened. Well, they're the ones that say you have to be baptized in our baptismal with our words, having gone through our class. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. We do not add to the cross of Calvary. Amen? Now, good works are fruit of salvation. They should be evident in our life, but they're not the source of salvation. So, The Gnostics and others denied there was nothing more than lies that they taught and a doctrine that led not to God's ultimate plan, but to destruction. And this is what false teachers do. Give your flesh to whatever it desires and you'll be fine. That's a a lie that, that they were teaching that you could just go live like the devil, but we know the word of God is contrary to that. You got that get out of hell free card in your wallet? You walked an aisle, you prayed a prayer, go live like the world, it doesn't matter. And again, when we're truly saved, our behavior will change. Again, it's not just what we believe, but it's seen in how we behave. Jesus said, be holy for I am holy. It says in Romans, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In Corinthians it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. These false teachers were creeping into churches and contradicting what the word of God clearly commands and calls us, which is to live holy and set apart lives. It doesn't mean we're sinless, but as believers, we should sin less. And the way that we view our sin will change when we give our life to Jesus Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit comforts us, but he also convicts us. So these false teachers had crept in the church. They were dreamers. They'd lost touch with reality. They brought the flesh-feeding false doctrine of the enemy and claiming to be wise, they became as fools. Notice it says in in that verse there, they defile the flesh. There in verse eight. The word defile there is Greek to stain, pollute, or contaminate, to dye another color, to defy with sin. These false teachers and their followers were as impure and unholy as the sodomites. They were trying to you know, the stain. They were trying to. They defiled what God created them to be. Go back to verse seven. Let me read it to you from last week. He says that Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Sin has consequences. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere right? You've heard it said eternity smoking or non-smoking kind of, right? I mean, the reality is we're all going to spend eternity either in heaven with almighty God or in hell separated him for all eternity. And the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. And you know, when you, and I've done, I don't know, probably 300 funerals in my, I've been 34 years, I've been a pastor. And you know, every funeral you do, the people are hopeful that the person's in heaven. And I totally understand that. But here's the reality When we stand before Almighty God on Judgment Day, it won't matter where we went to church. It won't matter how many good deeds we did. What's going to matter is what have you done with God's Son? Have you been born again? Have you recognized you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Have you surrendered your life to Him? It's not enough to make Him Savior. You must make Him Lord. Have you repented of your sin, turned away from the person you used to be, and surrendered your life fully to Jesus Christ? Because, guys, when we stand before Almighty God, that's all that's going to matter. Amen? And the exhortation here is that these false teachers were defiling the flesh, they were living like the world, and they were preaching a false gospel to keep people from the truth. You've heard me say this a hundred times, one more time won't hurt you. The word of God is not a fence to keep you from having fun. It's not a wall to keep you out of Disneyland. It's a guardrail to keep you from driving off a cliff. God gave us his word to keep us not from fun, but from harm. Amen? So when we disobey God's word, we are purposely driving through that guardrail. We are purposely making the choice to live outside of God's will, and the consequences will come. But these false teachers are teaching the opposite. Live like you want. The Gnostics especially. If you've given your life to the Lord, your spirit is saved, your flesh is evil anyway, it's going to be left here anyway. Go live like the world. Not only do they defile the flesh, but they reject authority. They rejected the authority of God and those who God had placed in, place in positions of authority. You know, false teachers never want to be accountable to anybody. And here's the reality. We all should be accountable. Amen? And when you meet people that have no accountability, that's concerning. When there's no, when there's no authority over their life, when they don't submit to authority, when they think they are the authority above all, of course, first and foremost, we submit to the Lord. And we submit to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but we need other believers around us, and these were people that were always rejecting authority. Now again, I'm not talking about standing against the government when it tells us to contradict the Word of God. We need to do that. But they reject all authority in their lives. They wanted to be the authority themselves. Everyone is doing what is right. In his own eyes, it talks about in in the Bible, in the days of Noah. Everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. Are we not living in that time right now? Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. Everybody does what what feels good to them. They define their own morality. They define what's right and wrong based on their feelings instead of the word of God. Today, our culture encourages us to reject authority and to recognize self as the only authority in our lives. If it feels good, do it. What Bible verse is that? Amen? You know, just obey what your flesh wants. In Santa Cruz, where I pastored for 10 years, it had, you know, question authority. You know and and you know just the bumper sticker Haven of the United States Santa Cruz. I used to say the number of bumper stickers you have on your car is the difference is the number of days between showers. Amen. But the reality is you would just see all this, you know, question authority, genders are no more. Everything was contradicting the word of God. And the word of God is the truth. Submit to the authorities has been replaced by question authority, again making self the only real authority in my life. It's hard when you talk to people that are are in rebellion and they've made some bad choices and they're going in the wrong direction. And we need to approach them in love and tell them that we love them, but we also need to love them enough to give them the truth. And let them know that if they continue on in rebellion against the word of God, that There's going to be heavy duty consequences that will come. And I'm I'm assured that every one of us in this room, if I gave you a couple of minutes, you could talk about a time when you rebelled against God and the consequences came. Can I get an amen to that? Where we made ungodly choices and so experience is the best teacher. And you know, sometimes it's not just our own experience, but it's the experience of others. But We can get to this place where we pick and choose certain passages of the Bible and we define them based on what our lifestyle is. Well, that contradicts my lifestyle, so that can't be what it means. You know, so we, we changed the definition. There's this thing called the Jesus Seminar. You've heard me mention that if you've been here for a while. And these, these are got to be the stupidest people who've ever lived, okay? I'm just, there's, that's, there's the bluntness of your pastor coming out, okay? But what they did is they took marbles, and had white and black marbles, and they would go through every verse of the Bible, and they'd go through, do you think God really said that? you think Jesus really said that? And if they put a black ball, someone blackballed it, they would take it out of their Bible, so a bunch of men decided what's in the word of God based on how they want to live their lifestyle. Guys, God is, we're all idiots compared to God and God knows what he's talking about, amen? And we need to learn to obey him and trust him and believe what he's teaching us. As parents, we get frustrated with our kids. He's our heavenly father. We're imperfect parents. He is a perfect parent. We really ought to be listening to him, amen? We can do with whatever we believe, our own way. You know, we got our own path, uh, we can do it with our own beliefs, choose, you know, the salad bar religion. I take, I like this verse, oh yeah, oh yeah, eternity in heaven, I like that, that's good, I like that. <laughs> do not be drunk with wine, cut that out of there, I don't like that. <laughs> and there's this mentality that could take place where we, we have a salad bar of these are the things I like, and then, the, then we'll go, oh, but I'm also, I like some of the things that Hinduism teaches, that's kind of cool, you know, and I like this. By the way, lose the word karma from your vocabulary, can I get an end of that? Can I get an amen? I've had them say, oh, it's karma. There's no karma. You reap what you sow. There's the biblical translation of that. Can I get an amen to that? You reap what you sow. Karma. Stop it. We can do our beliefs, but we cannot choose. It's not a take and give. It's not, it's not a Chinese menu, one from column A, one from column B. You know, a little bit from Hinduism, a little bit from Buddhism, a little bit from Confucius, a little bit from this, a little bit from that. Guys, we don't believe, they're, again, they're all false prophets. We don't listen to anything they have to say. We know what the Word of God says, and the Word of God alone is the authority. Amen? We can do it with our lifestyle by making our own rules and not recognizing the authorities that God has established over us. And again, may we be people that submit to authority. By the way, the kids aren't here, so they can hear this later, but children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Amen. As believers, we should be the best workers in the building and we should honor the authority of our boss. Can I get an amen to that? We honor the authority of the government. Again, we pay our taxes, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Even if they do spend $10 million on a hammer, that's up to them. We just give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, amen? We, we honor the Lord. We do those things. You know, the speed limit is set. We follow the speed limit. We submit to the police, all those things, amen? Unless they tell us to disobey God, then we don't do that. But we are to be people that submit to authority. The rejection of authority, these false teachers and their followers rejected the authority, not just of men, but of God, And those are just why the angels fell from heaven because they rejected God's authority. That's the ultimate authority. While we we honor all these other authorities God's placed in our life, the ultimate authority is God's authority. Does God have authority over your life? Do you submit your life fully to him? Is he the one that you cry out to? Is he the one that you spend intimate fellowship with? Do you have an intimate relationship with the king of kings and the Lord of lords? So they defile their flesh like Sodom, They reject authority like the fallen angels, and they speak evil of dignitaries. The word speak evil, there's blaspheme. It says in Psalm 12, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own, which is the Lord over us. The rejection of God's authority will be seen in our actions. It defiles the flesh. It's heard in our words. And we speak evil of dignitaries. Out of the overflowing of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. Words don't slip out. When people find out you're a pastor, especially when I have 200 plus accounts, and I get new accounts from time to time, and I'll go meet with them, and they'll be, you know, F-bombing and saying, taking God's name in vain, and and I'm, you know, I'm talking to them about advertising, and then they'll find out I'm a pastor. And then that, you know, the whole, it's almost like, you know, the head, here's my Christian face, let me put that on. Oh, praise the Lord, brother. I'm a Christian, too. Yeah, yeah, I fellowship, bro. You're on. I said, bro, you were just cursing God's name 30 seconds ago. And by the way, words don't slip out. They pour out from your heart. Quit using that excuse. That slipped out. It didn't slip out. It came up from here. Holy Spirit, you ran through the Holy Spirit stop sign right through your mouth. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> they speak evil. They blaspheme. They, their, their, their mouth is not something that's becoming of the Lord. Words don't slip out again, they pour out. And blasphemy goes beyond taking God's name in vain, though that's the heart of it. A person blasphemes God when they take his word too lightly. It's blasphemous to know what the word of God says, read it, and to make a conscious decision to just not obey it. It's not just taking his name in vain, it's taking his word too lightly. It's when they add to or take away from the word of God, that's blasphemy, amen? When you add to the word of God, when you add another, we don't need any more books, amen? We don't add to the word of God, we don't give our opinion and have it overrule the word of God, that's blasphemous. And when we deliberately disobey God's word and defy him. So false teachers are walking according to their own flesh. They defile the flesh like Sodom. They reject authority like the fallen angels. They speak evil of dignitaries. A rejection of the heart produces blasphemous words out of their mouths. And note again the clear contrast between the blasphemous speech of false teachers And the speech of Michael, the archangel. Look at verse 9. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when they disputed over the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, this is something that Christians need to understand. First of all, as believers, I do not believe that we are ever to address the devil. Amen? here's Michael, the archangel. How many archangels are there? Okay. So Satan's not the opposite of God because Satan's toast compared to God. Can I get him into that? If he's the opposite of anybody, it's Michael. So Michael's the archangel, most powerful of all the angels. Satan was one of those powerful angels in heaven. And they're having a battle over the body of Moses. Now, why would they be battling over the body of Moses? Satan knew if the body of Moses, if he had control over it, and he could have the body of Moses buried somewhere and put an altar on it, that the people would worship it. It's the same reason we don't know where the Ark of the Covenant is, some of these other things that God has removed, because he knows if they were here, there'd be people who worship it. All you have to do is go to Israel, and they go pray against the wall that was closest to where the Ark of the Covenant used to be 2,000 years ago. And they think that's closer to God because it's a wall that was close to where the ark once was. Isn't it good to know that a wall doesn't make us closer to God? The Holy Spirit does. And we can walk in intimate fellowship with him and the veil's been torn. But the exhortation here is Michael, the archangel, dared not bring a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Guys, when it comes to the devil, give him to Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Let the Lord deal with him. And I hear people, I, I rebuke you, Satan. I defile you. I command you. Stop it. Lord, let the, Lord. I give this to you. Lord, you take care of the enemy. Lord, you do it. Because guys, we, are, we cannot battle the enemy in our own strength. Amen? But greater is he that is in us. But let's just give it to the Lord. And you know, God doesn't need us to demand and testify and command and all this kind of stuff. this this mentality that can take place sometimes, let's just give it to the Lord. Let's just pray to the Lord. Let's leave Satan, is Satan real? What's the answer? Do we fight a spiritual battle? What's the answer? Yes, we do. But you know what? We don't need to spend our time engaging Satan. Let's just let the Lord take care of him because God will take care of him every single time. Can I get an amen to that? And that's the example we see here with Michael. Michael the archangel doesn't even address him. He's like, the Lord rebuke you. Let the Lord rebuke you. I'll put you in God's hands. We're going to battle over Moses, but I'm not even going to fight with you. I'm going to let the Lord take care of you, and then a God will take care of it. Amen? And that needs to be our perspective. And Deuteronomy 4 tells us what happened with the body of Moses. It says in verse 5 and 6 of Deuteronomy 34, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. No one knew it knew it. No one knows it to this day. No one knows where he was buried. Do you think God did that on purpose? What's the answer? He did. Why does God do that? Because he knows that we will will worship uh, something other than him. This is one of my many problems with the Catholic Church. I do believe believe within the Catholic Church, there are people that are saved and are going to heaven. That being said, much of what the Catholic Church teaches is a false gospel. Amen? Amen. We don't worship saints. We don't pray to saints. By the way, who are the saints today? Either saints saint or an ain't. Can I get an amen to that? So if you've been born again, you're a saint. You're sanctified. You're a set apart one. If I die before you, don't pray to me because I ain't going to do you any good. Amen? Don't put up statues. Pastor Chuck said, if you put my name on anything, I'm going to come back and haunt you in Jesus' name. Amen? <laughs> We don't put our name on anything. There's only one celebrity in Christianity, and his name's Jesus Christ. He alone do we worship, and he alone do we serve. Amen? Amen. And so he was exhorting them because he knew in those days that if they knew where Moses was, I'm going to go lay on his chair. I'm going to lay here and get some of Moses' mojo. Stop it. We got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Amen? Amen. God took care of Moses' body, and from this text we learn he sent Michael to take care of it, And again, Moses is buried in a place that no one would knew because God knew that the children of Israel would be tempted to turn his grave into a shrine. And so to prevent it, remove the temptation, Michael was the one who buried him. See, the devil too knew where Moses' body and grave would be, a great temptation toward idolatry. So he wanted to, to bring that body and use it for his own devices. So he put anything and make anything be a distraction from the Lord. You've heard me say it. If Satan can't drag you to hell with him, if you've already been born again, he will do everything he can to distract you from what God has called you to do until you get to heaven. He'll have you worshiping saints and praying to Mary and praying with vain repetition. He'll have you getting caught up in your career and chasing after things that are going to perish instead of putting your eyes on the Lord. And he'll do anything he can to distract you. He once said, I will be like the Most High. Michael said, who is like God? Those are two different perspectives, amen? Who is like Almighty God? Who in the world else is there like the Lord? And again, the devil is just the opposite. Satan said, I will be like the Most High. Again, more important than what these two spiritual powers fought over It's the way that Michael dealt with it. And while Satan is the accuser of the brethren, Michael refused to bring an accusation against Satan or even address him directly. He left the dealing of Satan in the hands of the Lord. Let Jesus handle him. He can tempt us, but he cannot possess us. Some of you are going to disagree with me on that. We can have that discussion later. There's no believer that can be demon-possessed. Amen. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit would whip any demon anytime, anywhere, because he's the creator of them. Can I get him into to that? Amen. And he's not going to share where he lives with the devil. Can I get him into that? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So as Christians, he cannot... He can tempt us, but he cannot possess us. He can't do anything to us unless God allows it. And as Christians, we should learn from Michael's example. Don't argue, don't contend with, or even address Satan. Let Jesus handle him. And when Satan comes knocking at your door, let Jesus answer it. Amen? When he's knocking at the door, just give him to the Lord. By the way, here's some doors that open you up to Satan, all right? Here they are. Let me give you a few. Sorcery. I don't think that's probably an issue for most of us. Psychics lady across the street after my son died was telling me, oh, I'm a medium and I can, I can get you to talk to your son who died. Yes, I don't think so. Because here's the reality. Psychics are one or two things. They're either crooks and phonies or they're demon possessed. So when a when phony and a crook's the better of the two, you probably don't want anything to do with it. Amen? So pray for that. fortune tellers. Drugs and alcohol, the word for... Uh, for for sorcery, is pharmacia, where you get the word pharmaceuticals, amen? And we've had that struggle in my own family, so I understand how heavy that can be. See, Michael wouldn't even bring an accusation. He left it in the hands of the Lord, and you and I should not open ourselves up to things that are demonic in our lives in any way. And look, the movies, the music you listen to, you know, as a believer, if it's something that's edifying to the Lord or if it's something that's not, amen? I got in the car with a guy years ago, And he was a worship leader at a Calvary Chapel. And I jumped in his car to have lunch with him. That's 20 years ago. I jumped in the car to have lunch with him. And we're driving down the freeway. And he pops in a cassette. And it's ACDC Highway to Hell. (laughs) And I'm sitting in the passenger seat like, really, bro? he forwards to the next song. Uh, it It was all about Hell's Bells. I'm like, dude, help me out here. God created music to worship him. Amen? Let's make sure that we don't... I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying, let's, you know, let's worship the Lord. Are they singing hell's bells in heaven? I don't think so. But they do sing, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Amen? How much should these false teachers withhold from speaking evil of the Lord and again, in his chosen messengers, and we resist false teachers, not by arguing with them in the flesh, but by taking them to the Lord and to his word. I just always answer with the word of God. What did Jesus do when Satan tempted him in the wilderness? He responded to him with what? The word of God, word of God every single time. So when we are in a spiritual battle, when we're, str- when we're being tempted, we need to go to the word. We need to let the word of God be the way that we respond. When some false teacher comes along, we need to respond to the word of God. By the way, this is proof that Michael's not Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Now, why is that important? Because the Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Michael is Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus, They they believe that Judas died on the cross, by the way. So it's a false gospel. All right, verse 10 but these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts and these things, they corrupt themselves. See, false teachers claiming to have special knowledge that justifies their sinful behavior. Jude says they're ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. So when someone comes to your door or when you have a conversation, first of all, be loving, be kind, be gracious. Don't be self-righteous. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. But that being said, we need to recognize that they're ignorant, they don't know the truth. We do. Now we shouldn't be so. Again, don't be arrogant about that. But we should speak from authority because we know the truth. Amen. And they'll come by and they'll, they'll weave a tale and they'll try to use things they've gone to classes on how to talk to Christians and try to how, how to try to trip you up. That's why you need to know what the Word of God says so you won't be tripped up. But they're ignorant. Who is the who is the, I'm vapor locking? Who is the scientist in the wheelchair? Stephen Hawking. So, Stephen Hawking, everybody says he was a genius. No, he wasn't. He was an idiot. You know why? Because he rejected the truth of the gospel. Can I get an amen to that? Proclaiming to be wise, he was a fool thinking he mocked God. He mocked the, the Bible. He mocked anything to do with Christianity his entire life. And people put this guy on a high pedestal. And maybe he had some intellect when it came to things, but not enough intellect to, re- to recognize that science proves Jesus. That the word of God is true. He's ignorant. He'd, I don't need his advice. He needs mine. Can I get amen to that? Right? And that's what we need to be careful of, even when we're being educated. Again, the word of God is true. It's the final court of authority. What they do do know is fleshly. So they, they don't know the truth, but what they do know, they're like brute animals, it says here in the text. They're slaves to their fleshly desires. They bring destruction upon themselves. How many of you besides me struggle with your flesh this week? Amen? Sin is pleasurable for a season. That's why we're tempted by it. And there's things that the enemy will do to try to draw you away. And false teachers are led by, their, again, they're so typical fallen men. They claim to have special knowledge, but they alone, and saying they, they alone get it, but the truth is they're ignorant, they're lost, they're living like animals, and they're headed for destruction. That's what he just said in this verse. He said they're like brute, brute beasts. You know, uh, you know, that's why when I exhort young men that are, you know, they're all proud of themselves while I'm sleeping around. I go, dude, that's what dogs do. That's not what men do. Amen? Men honor women. Men wait for the woman God has for them. Men wait for the day they walk down the aisle and then they submit. And anything sort of that, you're a brute beast and you're not worthy of her. Amen? And that's, so the point is, are we living like animals, just feeding our flesh? Or are we surrendering our lives to God? The Lord. These false teachers have the characteristics of, again, being people who are ruled by their flesh. Look at verse 11. Woe to them, for they've gone in the way of Cain. They've run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, woe to them. In Greek, it's a wail of grief or denunciation. It's a wail of anticipation of coming judgment. Woe to them because judgment's coming. Now, false teacher, woe to them. Look, I have a lot of Mormons come by my house. I guess I'm not on the list yet, but I come, they come by my house. And I love to talk to them and I love to be gracious and kind to them. But at some point I say to them, woe to you because you're going to face eternal judgment. It's been separated from Almighty God because you are following after a false prophet by the name of Joseph Smith. A man who was a polygamist, a man who took wives away from other women, a man who wrote fairy tales before he wrote the fairy tale that's in your arms right now called the Book of Mormon, amen? And we need to love people enough to tell them the truth because I want to warn them of the judgment that is coming. Be kind, be loving, be gracious, but tell them the truth, amen? And he says, woe to them. They've gone the way of Cain. Now, what did Cain do? He killed Abel, but what is it that got him angry, well, he's a poster child of being self-righteous. In Genesis 4, God had given a prescribed way of approaching him after the sin in the garden had brought separation. By the way, the first time we see the shedding of blood in all of Scripture is after Adam and Eve sinned. Remember, they covered themselves with fig leaves and they were hiding. And then it says in the text that God slayed an animal so they could be covered in animal skins, the shedding of blood for the covering of sin. So God had made it clear how they were to approach him to make sacrifices. Well, Abel was a hunter, and Abel brought a sacrifice. Cain was a farmer. So Cain brought, you know, grains and vegetables to, honor, to, to worship the Lord in the way he wanted to worship the Lord, because this was the life that he lived. And we know that God did not accept his offering. More proof that meat's better than vegetables, just saying. Can I get a Amen. <laughs> Try to beats broccoli all day in Jesus' name. Throughout Scripture, the Bible talks about it's a sweet-smelling aroma in God's presence. God loves barbecue, I'm just saying. Acts 10, rice killing eat, we ain't killing broccoli, amen? But Cain instead attempted, to, he's coming to God his own way. I know God says I have to come this way, but I'm going to come my own way. I know God says that Jesus is the only way, but I'm going to try to do it just by being a good person. I'm sure that if there is a God, I'll be okay because I'm a good person. Well, there's none righteous, no, not one. There are no good people. Get over yourself. Amen? So we're not good people. But so he comes his own way. And if we try to approach God any other way, than through the cross of Calvary, we're, we're in the sin of Cain. We're the way of going the way of Cain. Cain was approaching God his own way. Instead of coming the way God commanded, again, he attempted to come to God his own way. False teachers are doing the same, attempting to come to God their own way. This is arrogance and pride. He is God. We're not. We need him. He doesn't need us. He is holy and perfect. We're sinful and flawed. And he, by his grace, made a way for us to come to him. And it's only through Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. The arrogant and ignorant and rebellious say, I come to God my own way. I commune with with God in the ocean. Totally, bro. I just hang out with the Lord, man. It's my, that's my church. You know, I hang out with Jesus on the ninth fairway, man. That's my relationship with God. These are things people have told me. You know, that's my, I commune with God on the golf course. Show me a verse for that in the Bible. Can I get an amen to that? Because again, there can be no communion with Him unless it begins. With Jesus. Cain attempted to come to God his own way, no faith in God's command, no blood sacrifice. God rejected his sacrifice, accepted his brother Abel's, which then made Cain envious, and Cain killed his brother. False teachers then and today attempt to come to God their own way apart from Jesus. Amen? Sometime back, I was flipping through the channels and there was a unity reverend. Already, I knew this was not good. First of all, unity, like all faiths, and then reverend, and we reverence only God. Can I get amen to that? I get stuff in the mail that says reverend on it. I know they don't know me, because I don't. We reverence the Lord and nobody else. And he was on with a guy named Deepak Chopra, right? And they were talking about the Jesus consciousness and the third Jesus. And I'm like, my head's exploding. They're talking nonsense. They don't know what they're talking about. There's one Jesus. There's not three Jesuses. Is Amen. And they were talking about taking from all religions, that salad bar mentality. So, not only, so, the, so the, they've gone the way of Cain. They're trying to come to God their own way. That's the way of Cain. Secondly, they've run greedily in the error of Balaam. The error of Balaam. Now, you guys remember who Balaam was? He was a Midianite prophet who had the gift of prophecy and was destroyed by greed and covetousness. Israel had advanced the land into the land of Moab after defeating the Amorites. King Balak of the Moabites, in fear of being defeated, sent for Balaam to come and curse Israel. So he asked for one of Israel's prophets to come and curse the people of Israel. And the way he does it, he tries to give him money. And the first time, Balaam was like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Second time, he offers him more money and more stuff. Well, maybe I can try to do it. And then when he goes to try to do it, when he opens his mouth, he can only speak blessings because God wouldn't allow him. But eventually he got to the point where he brought about another way to bring a curse upon Israel. God wouldn't let him curse them. They offered again, Balaam more and more. Balaam cared more about money than obeying God at this point. And then if you'll remember that what he did is he said, send some of your young women down to the camp of Israel to lead Israel into sexual immorality, have them bring their idols with them. And what will happen is they'll end up following the false gods. So use women. So he couldn't curse them. So he used women. And certainly they, that's exactly what they did. Now, what do we remember Balaam for? Balaam is moving on this donkey. And as he's headed where he's headed, an angel of the Lord is standing in the way. And Balaam doesn't see it, but the donkey does. And so the donkey just drops, and he's kicking the donkey and trying to get the donkey to move. And the donkey finally turns around and looks at him. Pastor Day paraphrase: Bro, there's an angel right there with a sword. What are you thinking, right? And what's crazy is that not that the donkey talked. But then Balaam started arguing with the donkey. That's Balaam. The way of Balaam. He was giving the appearance of serving God while leading others astray in pursuit of personal gain. See, he took money from the king of Moab and he used it to draw people away from the truth so he could gain financially. So this is another way of false teachers. They will lead people astray, people astray from the Lord in hopes of gaining financial uh, gain. And so there are people that that's their entire motive. Again, give me a thousand dollar seed offering and say Cadillac out in your driveway. No, we don't want to do that. So many are willing to compromise everything for money. The way of Cain, attempting to to reach to go to God your own way. The error of Balaam, leading others astray in pursuit of personal gain. And then finally, the rebellion of Korah. Who remembers who Korah was? Who was she? She was a prominent uh, Korah. Again, uh, excuse me, who Korah was. Korah was a prominent Levite man in Israel. Not, not a woman, Korah came to Moses one day and accused him of taking too much upon himself. We're all holy, every one of us. We are your exact, you know, we're part of your congregation. And Korah and his followers resented that God gave Moses and Aaron all the authority. So what did Korah do? Moses' response was when he heard that Korah was raising up people against him to overthrow him as the leader, Moses fell on his face because he knew God's judgment would come. So he proposed a test that each group took censers of burning incense and came before the Lord. And the Lord would choose who would represent him before the people, either Korah or Moses. So they came before the Lord. God told Moses to step away. The ground opened up, swallowed Korah and all of his followers. And later fire came down from heaven and burned up all his supporters. How'd that work out going against God's man? So the way of Korah is when we think we know better than the people that God is using. The way of Korah. So, the rebellion of Korah is rejecting God-given authority. It's speaking evil against dignitaries. It's striving in the flesh to attain position instead of faithfully serving with the gifts God has given us. Its apostasy is never confined to one method or one group of people. Again, we've got a farmer who attempted to come to God his own way. We had a prophet who allowed his greedy desires to turn him against God's people and lead them into idolatry for personal gain. And then you have a Levite, which is somebody in a position of of you know, serving the Lord who tried to gain a position above what was his. So number one there, we saw the false teacher. We may not get through the whole text. The characteristics of the false teachers, they've rejected the truth and brought lies, again, of the enemy. We've seen they defile the flesh like Sodom. They reject authority. They speak evil of dignitaries. They've gone the way of Cain, the way of Balaam, the way of Korah. The self-centeredness of false teachers. Look at verse 12 and 13. These are the spots in your love feast where they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. So here's what happens. These people would come in and they would take the primary position. The Lord even has, a, we see in scripture, a parable telling them, look, if, if uh, never go and sit in the highest place, sit in the low place. And if the person chooses to bring you up, that's fine. If You sit in the high place, you're going to be humbled when they move you further down. Well, he's saying here that these are spots in the love feast. That's the agape feast. So these are feasts that these early Christians often met for a common meal. And it followed communion. That's where we get it. So they'd have communion. Then they'd have a love feast and the people would come together. And often the poorest people in the group, this might be the only good meal that they received. But then there would be those who would position themselves in a higher place and they would go and eat first. And often they would eat more than their allotment and it might take so much that the poorest people among them had nothing to eat. By the way, you'll notice every time we have an agape feast, we always say the guy should eat last, amen? That's even a biblical thing. And people always ask me, why do you always eat last? Because if someone's not, going to go without, it, it's going to be me because it's a biblical concept. Can I get an amen to that? So while denying the deity of Christ, these false teachers came in and they would take communion. And then at the agape feast, they would fill themselves up while feeding or serving no one else. So they were men who were self-centered. They came in, thought they had great positions. They were false prophets. They would take communion, which they shouldn't have done because they didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. And then they would come in and feed themselves before they fed anybody else. In those days, they brought what they could, some a little, some a lot, but they all shared it together. And again, for some of the slaves and the poor among them, this is their only good meal. And these guys came in. Then he says, they're like clouds. They're like clouds without water. Again, a cloud without water is good for nothing. It promises, but it never delivers. They provide no life-giving rain. They only block the sun. And that's what false prophets do. Not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. Amen? Amen. They bring nothing good, but they only block people's focus on the sun, the son of God. Notice it is not only like clouds without water ab- about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit. By autumn, the trees should have produced fruit. If they're ever going to produce fruit, it will be produced by the fall. And it says these autumn trees, again, had no fruit. So these false teachers bore no fruit. They were like trees that only took fruit but never gave. They were dead. There was no chance of them ever bearing fruit. Verse 13 says, they were raging waves of the sea foaming up to their own shame. One, so they, these, these raging waves, again, raging waves when I was in high school, I went to a high school where you could, the ocean was right there. So when the waves came up, you'd go to class and half the class was gone. Surf's up. They went to, they went to the beach. But in those days, big waves didn't have a lot of something good for them because what it would typically do, it would it would bring a lot of destruction and a lot of debris, and so it was something that came and made a lot of noise and just left a lot of debris behind. And that's it. That's one of God's words: examples of a false teacher. They make a lot of noise and all they leave behind is a bunch of garbage. Amen. There's no fruitfulness. They're, they're not adding to the kingdom of God. They're not drawing people to the Lord. And so they are like raging waves, foaming up to their own shame bringing destruction. Then it says they're like wandering stars, wandering stars like a comet that streaks across the sky. False teachers grab people's attention for a moment, but they quickly vanish into darkness and they leave nothing of lasting impact. A wandering spar is no good for guidance or navigation. So too these false teachers who've crept into the church were useless. They were untrustworthy, not lasting lights, but those who would leave others in Darkness. See, they would shine brightly for a moment, but they were—you would be in darkness as soon as they left. The blackness of darkness forever. This describes their destiny unless they repent and give their lives to the Lord. Then it says there again after wandering stars, for whom is uh, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. This is what God's word says about the false teachers. They will spend eternity. In eternal torment and punishment, they're going to spend eternity separated from Almighty God. People get upset with me when I say things about people like Joseph Smith, because why? Why do I say that? Because he was a false prophet that drew people away from the Lord. Amen. And the Bible condemns any false prophet, anybody who teaches anything that's contrary to the Word of God. I shared this with you. Probably won't get to fourteen and fifteen. We won't. We'll pick that up next week. But I shared this with you recently that this they had this big uh, prophecy thing and a, uh, they had this lady who came was supposed to be some evangelist or something. And she's standing on the stage. I saw this online and she's standing on the stage. She said, one of the pastors up here wants to come up and, wants to come up and say something. And come on up, pastor. And so the pastor comes up and he says, hey, Calvary Chapel people. He's a Calvary Chapel pastor. He says, hey, Calvary Chapel people, here's what we need to do the rest of the week while this lady's here. We need to pray. And she's nodding her head. And here's what we need to pray for. We need to pray that God will silence all the nonsense coming out of this false prophet's mouth. She went from, right? The point is, that we can be so concerned about offending somebody that we don't make a stand for the truth. Amen? Amen? We can be so concerned about this false prophecy that's coming out of their mouth. I haven't done it lately, but one time when the Jehovah's Witness were in my neighborhood, I followed them through the neighborhood, stood on the, on the sidewalk, and when they went to the doors, they're false prophets. Don't listen to them. right? <laughs> don't listen to them. Guys, we need to preach the truth. We need to do it in love. We'll get 14 and 15 next week. But the characteristics, we saw the characteristics of false teachers. They defile themselves, they reject authority, they speak evil of dignitaries, they go the way of Cain, attempting to come to God their own way, they lead others astray in pursuit of personal gain. And in the way of Korah, they reject God's authority and striving for position. And then they're self-centered. Again, false teachers, the self-centeredness. We see it that they are clouds without water. They they promise a lot, deliver nothing. They're trees without fruit. They're raging waves that make a bunch of noise but bring destruction. And they're wandering stars that don't last. They burn out in a moment and they cannot guide us. Guys, the word of God is true. Let God be true in every man a liar. We need to know what the word of God says so we can recognize false teachers. Here's the reason why I don't put the Bible words up there. I want you to have your own Bible. If you don't have one, we'll buy you one. We need to buy more and we'll buy you one. I want you to have the word of God. You need to check everybody who teaches the word, including this guy, against the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, you are indeed a great and an awesome God. I thank you for everyone who's here this morning, none by chance, all by divine appointment. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would not leave here without surrendering their life to you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You're not gonna be saved because you're good. You only can be saved because he's good. Your salvation doesn't come through your good works. It comes through his great work on the cross of Calvary. The way that we give our life to the Lord is we need to repent. Repent means to turn around. That we're heading in one direction away from the Lord. We recognize our own sin and we turn and surrender our lives to him. Not just as our savior, but the Lord of our life. Bible says again, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. If you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And again, I'm not asking you to join a church and we don't want anything from you. But again, confessing him before men is by making a public proclamation that yes, I know that I'm a sinner. And I don't want to surrender my life to him. I want to know for sure when I leave this place today that the Holy Spirit will live inside of me, that I'll be born again and I'll have the promise of heaven. If that's your desire this morning, why don't you just raise your hand right where you are. Anybody at all. Don't leave here without the Lord. Don't leave here without the Lord. Lord loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. May today be the day of salvation. Anybody at all. Don't worry about anybody else. Just you and the Lord doing business, anybody at all. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. You are a great and awesome God. We're so thankful that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You've blessed us, chosen us, adopted us, accepted us, redeemed us, forgiven us. You've given us the down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. You've written our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. You will never leave us nor forsake us and no one can snatch us out of your hand. Lord, we're thankful for the promise that when we close our eyes on earth, we're gonna open them up in glory. And Lord, you and you alone are worthy to be worshiped, to be praised, and to be honored. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen.